Looking to get back to the 500 mark, the Seahawks and Cardinals will face off in a mid-October must-win clash at Lumen Field on Sunday. What must Seattle do to get the victory? I'm going to be devising a game plan and much more on our Blue Friday edition of Locked on Seahawks. You are Locked on Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, 12s. This is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked On Seahawks. Thanks to all the 12s out there for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week, including on our Blue Friday episode. Tons of info coming your way. Going to be diving into a game plan for the Seahawks to be victorious against the Cardinals at Lumen Field on Sunday. Looking at some X factors, keys to victory, and much more jam-packed episode coming your way, courtesy of LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Host your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnNFL. Now for your lead story here on our Blue Friday edition of Locked On Seahawks. Up to this point, the Seahawks have had some pretty small injury reports going into the majority of their games, but you get deeper into the season, those become fewer and far between. And unlike last week, the Seahawks could be missing some key players when they face the Cardinals at Lumen Field in their NFC West home opener on Sunday. Looking at their final injury report, which was dished out this afternoon, Penny Hart has already been ruled out. Obviously, he's your fourth or fifth receiver, special teams guy. Still, they've got a lot of injuries on special teams, so that might be a fairly significant injury in this game, especially when you consider the fact that Marquise Goodwin and D. Eskridge are both listed as questionable with knee and back and illness-related issues. Now, Pete Carroll made it sound like both those players have a pretty good chance to play on Sunday. Eskridge did get ramped up to full participation on Friday. Goodwin has been able to practice in full this week. So looking pretty good on that front. They're going to have Dariq Young, the rookie, back after he missed last week with a quad injury. So they've got some reinforcements there, but no Penny Hart. Really the big news, your two players that are listed as doubtful Al Woods exited last week with a knee injury in the second half against the Saints, and Gabe Jackson, very similar. He exited midway through the game dealing with a hip issue along with what looks to be a chronic knee issue that he had surgery on this offseason. And getting to be an older player, that's certainly a concern. In the trenches, the Seahawks are going to be shorthanded if both those players don't play. Now, earlier today, Pete Carroll made it sound like you know things could change, but ultimately – doesn't look good for either Woods or Jackson to play in this game. Without Gabe Jackson, the Seahawks do have Phil Haynes, and I've made the argument on this podcast several times that Seattle maybe should just move to Phil Haynes as their starter at that right guard position anyway because he's played pretty well. He's been up and down this season. He's given up one sack in pass protection, though, on almost 80 pass-blocking snaps. So he's been pretty solid in pass protection. His numbers overall are a lot better than Jackson's. Jackson has played better the last couple of weeks after that abysmal game in week two against the 49ers, and obviously a veteran present that has consistently been really good in pass protection up until this season. And I think he's starting to find his groove. So it's a little unfortunate now he's starting to play better that he gets hurt. But Phil Haynes has proven he is a starter caliber player. Damian Lewis played a little bit better the last couple of weeks, bouncing back from some early season injuries. So they should be okay at the guard spots going into this game against a Cardinals team that doesn't have much of a pass rush with Chandler Jones now at the Raiders, a number of players leaving last in the league in sacks should feel a little better though. They do have to deal with JJ Watt, who's still a pretty darn good player in the middle. Zach Allen's had a nice season so far. So 
won't be easy sledding necessarily. The Woods injury is the one that to me is the most impactful going to this game. Now you're playing a wide open Cardinals offense. They like to play four or five wide receiver sets. So I don't know that a 340 pound nose tackle is necessarily going to make the same difference in this game that he would make in most games, but still Al Woods has been the one consistent performer for the interior defensive line this year has bounced back after missing 2020 on COVID list has bounced back with two really good seasons. It was great for the Seahawks last year and continues to be a wrecking ball in the middle, not having him. You're going to have Brian Monet available. And I thought Monet played fairly well last week. He got a new contract for a reason. He's shown glimpses, but he's been inconsistent. This could be a big game for him. And maybe Puna Ford plays in the middle at nose tackle now. And I think that would be a better fit for him than they've been trying to play him as that four eye or five tech in a three, four defense. And it's been a struggle for him most of the season. So maybe this is a game you can see Puna Ford start to unlock his pass rushing ability a little bit, playing in a position that's maybe better suited for him against an offense where his penetrating ability could be a big deal dealing with Kyler Murray, but still. Not having big 99 in there, one of your team captains, that is a significant loss, especially with Shelby Harris playing less than 100%. He's probably going to play this weekend, but again, below 100%. The defensive line has struggled consistency-wise all year, and going into this game, missing a couple players up front is only going to magnify that issue for the Seahawks. Luckily, Seattle is not the only team dealing with injury issues. You look at the Arizona Cardinals' final injury report. They are missing two of their top running backs. Starter James Conner ruled out with a rib injury, and he gave the Seahawks fits last year, a physical between the tackles runner, the way they've struggled stopping the run this season. Uh, that certainly is a nice absence to not have to worry about James Conner. And Darrell Williams is a solid change of pace back, but both those guys are going to be out. They're going to be without kicker Matt Prater as well. He's dealing with a hip injury, and cornerback Trayvon Mullen, formerly of the Raiders, has a hamstring issue. He's only played in two games this year. He's been nicked most of the season, so a little less depth at the cornerback position for the Cardinals. I think the most significant one to watch is in the questionables here. You've got two of them that jump out on the offensive line. Rodney Hudson, their stud center dealing with a knee injury. He's questionable. They are a different offense when Rodney Hudson's not on the field. And Max Garcia, one of their other offensive linemen dealing with a toe issue. And Byron Murphy out in the corner position, former Washington star dealing with a groin issue. Sounds like he's got a good chance to play in this game, but still listed as questionable might be viewed as a game time decision. So you've got some players on the Cardinals side of things. They're going to be missing a couple of their top running backs could be missing one or two offensive linemen. If Murphy doesn't play, that's a huge blow for a secondary that, quite frankly, has been underwhelming to this point. So both these teams are dealing with some significant injuries going into this game, and that's pretty common once you get to about week five, week six. Teams start to get beat up middle of the season. You're going to see that escalate as the year goes on. Teams are going to be calling up practice squad players at this point. We don't know who the practice squad elevations are going to be for either one of these teams. None of those uh, announcements have been made, and they have through Saturday to make those moves. So I would anticipate tomorrow that we'll have a better idea of which players will be able to participate for the Seahawks and Cardinals off their practice squad. Teams can elevate up to two players each week. Players can be elevated three different times. So Seattle has a couple guys that are getting close to their limit before they have to be moved up to the 53-man roster. I'm curious to see what they do, especially with a few of the injuries they are dealing with on the offensive and defensive lines. Up next, Seahawks have a tough, ta tough task coming up at home. Arizona Cardinals have won five of their last eight games at Lumen Field. As much as any team in the league, they have dominated in the Pacific Northwest, won there last season as well. 
What do the Seahawks need to do to change the tide a little bit and get a key victory in week six against the Cardinals at home? I'm going to be devising a game plan on offense and defense coming up next year on our Blue Friday episode of Locked On Seahawks. As you gear up for the fall, you need the right people on your team to help your small business fire on all cylinders. LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. As a former site manager and current podcast host, I've made plenty of hires over the years, and LinkedIn has always been a go-to for me to find the top candidates in social sports media. Create a free job in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to and find them faster. Did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnNFL. That's linkedin.com slash LockedOnNFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. You're listening to the Blue Friday edition of Locked On Seahawks. This is your host, Corbin Smith. As always, all the 12s out there who make Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate you. Our new listeners, we appreciate having you on board as well. Hopefully, you will enjoy the show and you'll come back to listen more next week for Seahawks coverage and analysis. Make sure you check out the NFL Key Predictions every Friday on Locked On NFL. Locked On's local experts give you the inside scoop on the five biggest games of the NFL weekend, including Sunday and Monday night football, plus betting advice from the field's leading experts at Bet Online. Follow NFL Key Predictions every Friday on Locked on NFL. It's available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast. The Seahawks have had their issues with the Arizona Cardinals playing in Seattle when Bruce Arians is on the sideline. He made a joke out of it, how consistent they were at winning games in Seattle. And that was typically at the peak of Seattle you know, winning championships and competing for NFC West titles, making the playoffs every year. The Cardinals would come into Seattle and they would consistently win at Lumen Field. They've won five of the last five or five of the last eight games at Lumen Field between these two teams. And so you go into this matchup, both teams two and three, they're coming off of a loss and have struggled just for different reasons than anticipated. The Cardinals, they've been slow starting on offense. They've had their share of issues on the defensive side of the ball, but really it's been those slow starts on offense that have dogged them. And then the Seahawks, Geno Smith's been throwing the ball over the place. They've ran the ball well. The offense has been one of the best of the NFL. They're seventh in scoring, even with that dud in week two against the 49ers. Top 10 offense in a number of key categories, but the defense is at the bottom of the league in most categories. 31st in points allowed and so really things have not played out for either team as expected and they're both at two and three tied for second place in a crowded NFC West looking for some separation here to get back to 500 what do the Seahawks need to do let's start on the offensive side of the football and it's really simple for me number one key going into this game establish the tight end We'll talk run games some, of course, but the Cardinals have been the worst team. The Seahawks are actually not the worst team defending tight ends. That surprised me, especially with the numbers that TJ Hawkinson put up a few weeks ago for the Detroit Lions. The Cardinals rank 32nd in the NFL, giving up 36 receptions, 436 receiving yards, two tight ends through week five. You look at a few of the box scores, Kelsey for the Chiefs, 
eight catches, 121 yards, touchdown in week one. Darren Waller, Moreau for the Raiders, 80 yards and a touchdown in week two. Tyler Higby, four, uh, four catches for 61 yards. And then Dallas Goddard last week, eight catches for 95 yards. The only team that has not been able to get tight ends going against the Cardinals was the Panthers. And quite frankly, they haven't been able to do anything on offense. That's why they're one and four. That's why they just had their head coach fired. Every other team has been able to get tight ends going against this Cardinals defense. And you look at the linebackers in particular, and the stats are shocking here. Between Isaiah Simmons, Nick Vigil, and Zaven Collins, they've allowed 30 out of 36 targets to be completed for 367 yards and three touchdowns. A lot of that production has gone to tight ends. They've got some athleticism at that level, but coverage has not been a strength for this group at linebacker for the Cardinals. Seattle doesn't have a superstar at tight end, but they've got three very capable pass catchers in Noah Fant, Colby Parkinson, and Will Disley. Disley's already got three touchdown catches this year. This feels like a game where they can get those tight ends the football early and often, and once they start to stretch the defense a little bit in the intermediate game, maybe down the seam to those tight ends, then you got to worry about DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. So it feels like one of those games where the run isn't going to set up those deep passes. The short intermediate game in the passing game to those tight ends is going to open up some of those downfield throws for your two star receivers on the outside too. So they need to establish the tight end in this game, get all three of those guys, the football, this is a really good defense to distribute the ball to all your different receivers and find success in that way. Second thing that jumps out to me, ground and pound between the tackles. The Cardinals do have J.J. Watt and Zach Allen. Allen's having the best year of his career so far. They got a couple big bodies in there, including Lecky Fotu, but this has still been a team that opponents have had some success running between the tackles, in particular the Rams, a very similar offense to what Seattle's running with Shane Waldron now calling the shots. They found a ton of success in week three. Nine carries, for 62 yards, almost seven yards per carry between the tackles. They also had a jet sweep for Cooper Cup that went for 20 yards. So that contributed. But most of their damage with the run game, they hit 100 exactly in that game. It was a lower scoring affair. They hit most of that yardage running between the tackles, behind the guards and the center. And this feels like a game of the Seahawks can win at the line of scrimmage. They can get their guards and their centers maybe even their tackles up to that second level on these linebackers that are athletic, but not necessarily physical presences. They can get this run game rolling, not a team that you're going to have a ton of success running outside typically because of the athleticism they have at the second level, but running between the tackles, getting a physical ground game, mixing in some zone and gap uh, concepts. I think that the Seahawks can have quite a bit of success with Ken Walker, the third and DJ Dallas against this defense It's averaging 4.3 yards per carry against their middle of the pack. They've been a middling defense against the run. Some of that has just been the success teams have had throwing the ball against them, though they have not been great against the run. I've had a couple games where they've gotten gashed pretty good by opponents. So this is an opportunity for the Seahawks, even without Rashad Penny, to show they can continue running the football in the Ken Walker, the third era, DJ Dallas as well. Get those guys the football, get their interior line working in the middle get to the second level, I think they have a chance to have a really solid game running the football. And last here, trust your offensive line so that you can take shots. This is a Cardinals defense right now that is last in the NFL in sacks. And I know there are other stats that you can look at that can paint a different picture about a pass rush. But in almost every major metric, the Cardinals are near the bottom of the league as a pass rushing unit. Of those six sacks, J.J. Watt and Zach Allen have almost all of them. 
So their pressure has been coming from the interior. They haven't been able to generate much of a rush from the outside without Chandler Jones. This is a game where you should be able to buy Geno Smith time so that he can get the ball downfield. And the Cardinals haven't given up any 40-plus yard receptions this season, but they've also given up a ton of 20 to 39-yard catches, that intermediate to, I guess you could say short deep if you want to call it that. They aren't giving up bombs down the field, but they're giving up a lot of plays of plus 20 yards. There have been some communication issues in that secondary. And when you don't have a pass rush, it really hinders the secondary's ability to cover. So this is a team that has given up a lot of yardage in the passing game in the top 10 for yards allowed, yards allowed per play in the passing game. The Seahawks should be able to do what they want to do, getting the football to their tight ends and their receivers in large part because this is a game, if you can contain the inside, J.J. Watt and Zach Allen are the two premier rushers on this team. Marcus Golden can do some damage on the outside, and he's played well against the Seahawks in the past. But they have to like their tackles working against him and this is really a matchup that favors this offensive line. Protect Geno Smith and give him time, and I think he can exploit this Cardinals defense that has been pretty forgiving when it comes to giving up big plays in the passing game. And They just haven't generated a lot of pressure. Playing at home, that should work in favor of the Seahawks in this game. Now, flipping over to the defensive side of the football, anytime you play the Cardinals, you got to worry about number one, the jitterbug in the backfield. Kyler Murray, his ability to escape the pocket and do damage with his legs. Pete Carroll's actually done a pretty good job, he and his staff, of putting together game plans to slow down Kyler Murray. And I think that is the first and foremost key for the Seahawks in this game. You've got to contain and you've got to harass Kyler Murray. The win in week 18 last year in Arizona, he had just 35 rushing yards. He was sacked five times. A lot of that coming from interior pressure from players like Puna Ford and uh, now back with the 49ers, Kerry Hyder. Those guys were causing a lot of problems for the Cardinals' interior line. They were getting after Kyla Murray, and the outside rushers were doing a good job of containing him. That's the key. Can you get interior pressure on Kyla Murray, and then can the interior collapse the pocket? If you're able to do that, the Seahawks have had success doing that. Again, this is a recipe that they've done. When the Seahawks went at home two years ago, Murray had just 15 yards on the ground. They sacked him three times. Their first game against him. Four carries for 27 yards. He was sacked four times. If the Seahawks can find a way to get after him with interior pressure and not let him get outside of the pocket very often where he can do so much damage with his legs and his arm, it gives them a much better chance to win this game. And they've consistently done a good job of limiting him in that capacity. Now, that's much easier said than done. He's also had some pretty good games against the Seahawks defense. And this is a group that has really struggled uh, defending mobile quarterbacks this year. So, We'll see what happens, but that is key number one, two, and three for me. Can you keep Kyler Murray in the pocket, and can you generate some pressure from the interior to make life, life difficult for a quarterback that is generously listed at five foot ten? Next on my keys here, you got to stop the run game, which the Seahawks have not been able to do at all this year. And the Cardinals already want to sling the ball over the yard, but making them one-dimensional still is a recipe for victory. In the NFL, you can't really throw the ball 60 times a game and have no running game and expect to consistently win games. And with the injuries the Cardinals are dealing with, you don't have James Conner, you don't have Darrell Williams, bottle up Eno Benjamin. He's been good this year when he's played. 4.5 yards per carry, 136 rushing yards. So he hasn't been a slouch, and we know this Seahawks defense at this point. Basically, if you can live and breathe and you're wearing an NFL jersey, they, you can run on this team. They have been awful defending the run so it's going to be very difficult to slow down anybody's run game but if there's a week where they can maybe get that ship righted 
This is a team that's really banged up in the backfield. They've got some injuries in the offensive line. Put the ball in Kyler Murray's court. Make it easier in your defense. You can play nickel and dime packages by limiting the run game and force them to beat you with the passing game. And that leads in perfectly to my last key here. When you look at the Cardinals' weapons, even without DeAndre Hopkins, they've still got Hollywood Brown, who's one of the most explosive receivers in the NFL. He has been the number one, number two, number three target all year for Kyler Murray. And they've also got Rondale Moore, the speedy receiver out of Purdue. That's a weapon out of the slot. He's only played in the last two games, but 66 of his 76 yards have come after the catch. A little bit different style receivers. Hollywood Brown is a guy that can really stretch the field with his sub 4-3 speed, and you can chuck the ball downfield to him. Tariq Woolen's actually going to be tested by somebody that can run with him in this game when those two go against each other. And on the other side, Mike Jackson doesn't have those kind of wheels. So that is going to be a challenge. And then in the slot, Kobe Bryant athletically does not stack up favorably with Rondale Moore, who entered the league with elite athletic traits, even though he's a smaller receiver. This is a guy that's really powerful, squats like three houses. And so this is a guy that when he gets the football in his hands, can do a lot of damage and create after the catch, breaking tackles, his speed, getting away from guys. They've got to prevent the deep ball. They've also got to keep receivers in front of them and limit yards after the catch. That boils down to tackling. If they can prevent Moore and, and uh, Brown and some of the other receivers from the Cardinals, Zach Ertz at tight end, who being able to catch and run, pick up big chunks of the yardage after the catch, break tackles, if they can limit that, that is a great way to hold this offense down because they haven't had as much success getting the ball downfield this year. The yak yardage has been a problem against the Cardinals in the past. It's how they get a lot of their yardage in this offense right now. You limit that. You can cut down the number of extended drives. Really great chance for the Seahawks to put together a decent defensive game and get some momentum moving forward. If they can't tackle, you might give up 50 points this week because the Cardinals still have plenty of weapons in this high-powered offense, and Kyler Murray can be an elite quarterback when he's at his very best. So that's going to be key. Limit the explosives, particularly the ones where it's short intermediate catches and they're able to pick up a bunch of yardage after the catch. You can't let that happen in this game. Get to the tack or get to the ball carrier, finish the tackle and end plays, limit those yards after the catch. It gives you a much better chance to win this football game. Up next, I'm going to get to my X factors, what the Seahawks have to absolutely do to win this game. And I'll be further building on my prediction for what's going to happen on Sunday at Lumen Field. Going to get to those things here in a moment on our Blue Friday episode. BetOnline.net is your number one source for football betting info this season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. And as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports and wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there, the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including Major League Baseball, MMA, boxing, and golf, is to go to betonline.net. Use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online, where the game starts. You're listening to the Blue Friday edition of Locked On Seahawks. This is your host, Corbin Smith. Thanks, as always, all the 12s out there for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. For your second listen, make sure to check out the Peacock and Williamson NFL show. Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson give you the expert NFL analysis in less than 30 minutes. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. All right. We've got a big game coming up in the NFC West on Sunday at Lumen Field. NFC West home opener for the Seahawks, just their second divisional game so far. They'll be welcoming the Cardinals to town and, and trying to play the role of rude guest. And that's not been something the Seahawks have been able to do very much against the Cardinals, as I mentioned earlier in the show a couple of different times. 
Arizona has won five of the last eight games in Seattle, and it's been the same way in Arizona. They're going to be playing each other in four weeks. The Seahawks have dominated for the most part in Glendale. These two teams have played much better on the road in this rivalry series. Just really bizarre uh, a rivalry series when you look at it the last decade. The games that these teams have played, I expect much of the same on Sunday at Lumen Field. Expect the unexpected when these two teams get together. Let's get to our X factors for week six without my co-host Nick Lee available. I'm going to be doing an offensive and defensive X factor rather than just picking one player. And on the offensive side of the ball, I'm going to go with DJ Dallas of all players. And I know that Ken Walker III is going to be the starter for the Seahawks in this game, replacing Rashad Penny. But DJ Dallas is going to have to take on a much bigger role because Ken Walker III has never been a starter in the NFL still getting his feet underneath him, and there are questions about his ability as a pass blocker. He gave up three pressures last week in three pass blocking opportunities. And I know the Seahawks are saying he's making progress in that regard, but that is still an area where he's really struggling. And these guys are a little different style runners. Now, Ken Walker III is a physical runner. He breaks a lot of tackles, gets a lot of yards after contact, but DJ Dallas is much more slippery than I think people realize. He doesn't have the athletic traits, the explosiveness, the suddenness Ken Walker III has, but he's kind of got that junkyard dog in him when he runs the football. This is not a guy that easily goes down. He hasn't had a lot of chances at extended playing time, but now he is number two with Penny and Homer both on injured reserve. He is back number two. He's going to get plenty of opportunities, particularly when they need him in, in pass protection to catch the football as well. This is a great defense to – Get some receptions against with the coverage issues they've had at all three levels of the defense. Could have some opportunities to get the ball out to him as a receiver and let him do some damage as well. So I think this is a game where Ken Walker III is going to get the most carries, but I could see DJ Dallas coming up with some big plays in the run game as well as the pass game and helping this offense against a defense they should be able to move the ball against and score some points against on Sunday. And on the defensive side of the ball, I'm going with Puna Ford. I mentioned him earlier in the show. This has been a very difficult season for big number 97. And I don't know how much of it boils down to the scheme change, the position change. He's really struggled getting off blocks. He's had issues with double teams, only has four pressures all season as a pass rusher. His run defense is probably the worst I've seen him play. But we know what Puna Ford is capable of. He has also had some of his best games in the past against the Arizona Cardinals, including that week 18 win in Arizona last year. I mentioned interior pressure being one of the keys against Kyler Murray. Murray got really sick and tired of seeing number 97 in his face last year with his penetrating ability. I almost wonder if playing back at that nose tackle position in a 3-4 defense is going to give him a better chance to inflict punishment on Kyler Murray and get into the backfield and that was what he was able to do last year. He had six pressures and one and a half sacks in that victory in Arizona week 18. I'm not looking for him to have those type of numbers, but just a breakout game of sorts after a really tough start for him. This could be an opponent where he's able to get some traction, get back to the way we've seen him play his first four seasons in the league, and that would be a big deal for the Seahawks, especially with Al Woods being out. They need Puna Ford in his A game, and I like this matchup for him, especially if Rodney Hudson doesn't play. If they're playing a backup center, I would put Puna Ford across from him all game long and let him go to work, and that can get his confidence built back up, and that can be big for the rest of the season. This just strikes me as a matchup where 97 is going to show up and he's going to play some of his best football. They need him to. That would be a big boost for Seattle going against Kyler Murray. If they can get consistent interior pressure from Puna Ford, he's also able to hold up against the run 
and bottle up Eno Benjamin, whoever else they roll out at running back with their depleted, injured backfield. All right, what do Seahawks need to do to win this game? I just threw out a couple individuals. Let's look from a team perspective. On the offensive side of the ball, Arizona Cardinals ranked 24th in the NFL in red zone percentage. They've given up touchdowns on 66% of their red zone possessions. They're right there with the Seahawks who are at 60%. The Seahawks have dropped quite a bit in that category. Early in the year, they were in the top five. Now they're down to 23rd, but the Cardinals have been even worse. So you need to score three or more touchdowns in the red zone. You need to get sustained some drives. And once you get into the red zone, you need to finish, especially with those tight ends. I also think 30 points is probably your safe mark, especially with the way that this defense has played up to this point. You are going to need to light up the scoreboard until that defense can prove that they can hold a team under 20 to 25 points. They have not been able to do that since that week one win against the Denver Broncos, who have one of the worst offenses in the NFL, shockingly enough, with Russell Wilson under center so far. It's been a struggle. Seahawks have not been able to stop anybody ever since that game. They got some fortunate breaks in the red zone that game as well. So this offense is going to have to carry the load still. They need to get to that 30-point mark. They need to score when they get in the red zone. They need to score touchdowns. Not three. They need to get six points, and that's going to be critical to beat Kyler Murray and company. And on the defensive side of the ball, I keep mentioning Murray and his rushing ability. Hold him under 50 rushing yards. The Seahawks have had great success against the Arizona Cardinals in the past when they have been able to do that, as I've outlined a couple specific games. When Pete Carroll and company have been able to game plan and limit his effectiveness as a ball carrier and getting outside of the pocket, this Cardinals offense is much easier to stop. And I think you need to get three sacks minimum. Again, this is another number. When they've been able to get three-plus sacks against Kyler Murray, they have been able to have great success, and they have won all of those games. So I think it really boils down to how they take care of number one. They're going to have to defend the running game in general much better than they have, but this is a pass-first offense at Arizona. They're missing a bunch of running backs. Kyler Murray is going to be shouldering the load. So what do you do to compensate for that? Well, you got to make sure you contain him. Don't let him get outside. And the interior pressure, that is the key when you're going against a shorter quarterback like Kyler Murray. The Seahawks should know that from defending Russell Wilson in week one and having him as their quarterback for a long time, that that is one of the hindrances to being a shorter quarterback. If you can get that uh, pressure from the interior, collapse the pocket, it's really tough for the quarterback to throw the football and find his open receivers. So that's going to be big in this football game. The Seahawks can do that, and they are efficient on offense finishing drives with touchdowns in the red zone. you got to love their chances of winning this game. A lot of what-ifs there, but those are the keys, in my opinion, to beating this team and setting the Cardinals to two and four. As far as predictions go, I already threw out a score yesterday, and I'm sticking with it. I, I think the Seahawks are going to find a way to win this game. I think they're going to get over that 30-point plateau. This is a football team, Arizona, that I don't put too much stock in grades from Pro Football Focus, but they're dead last in coverage rating they are in the bottom three in pass rush rating they've got a bunch of missed tackles they're middle of the pack and run defense i mean this is not a good defense despite the fact they've got plenty of star power in their secondary there's some really good players in this defense they've also got a lot of holes and they just haven't been able to pressure quarterbacks this feels like a game where the seahawks should be able to get the football to a number of different receivers and tight ends really spread the wealth Take advantage of all your weapons. I think they could run the ball, especially between the tackles. And if you're able to do those two things, it's going to be a long afternoon for the Cardinals defense. And for whatever reason, Pete Carroll has always seemed to come up with solid game plans going against Kyler Murray and mobile quarterbacks like that. Generally, the Seahawks have had their issues at times this year with 
running quarterbacks, but that has not been close to their biggest issue. Pete Carroll consistently has done a good job devising game plans to try to counter that mobility and throwing outside the pocket. So if he's able to do that again, and this defense can just stop missing so many tackles, short of the run fits, then I think you got a chance for this to be a game where they're going to give up points, but you can see some marked improvements. So maybe I'm too optimistic going to this one, but the Cardinals have certainly had their issues. They've had slow starts. If the Seahawks can keep that going at home, and the offense can keep humming the way that it has the last three games or so, the Seahawks have a very good chance to win this game. I expect it to be close. I expect there to be plenty of bizarre stuff going on. Always happens when these two teams get together, regardless of whether it's Seattle or Arizona. But I think the Seahawks find a way to get out of this game at 3-3 three and three and move into Week 7 at the 500 mark, which I think a lot of people would have been surprised about going into this season. Should be an exciting NFC West, NFC West rivalry matchup. Coming up on Sunday, really looking forward to it. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. Make sure to check out Locked on Seahawks and Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and streaming five days a week on YouTube. I'll have my usual post-game postcast coming up on Sunday after the game from Lumen Field. Game balls, offense, defense, special teams, some key storylines, three up, three down, and more. You won't want to miss it. Enjoy the game. Enjoy your weekend. Thanks for listening. Go Hawks.